Welcome everyone. It's 9.30 and we'll get started. We have a lot to cover today <clears throat> on a topic that um, is maybe probably, oh boy, a little puzzling to, to many of us in the room, and that is um, how do we effectively grow veggies in the winter um, and actually make it work? And uh, we're very blessed to have Joshua Dysinger with us today, and I'll uh, introduce Joshua just a little more here in a second, but let's start with a word of prayer if we might. Gracious Father, once again we are here on Friday morning at Adagra, and we um, feel blessed to be here. And uh, a lot of information to listen to and soak in and think how maybe it'd be best applied back at our own homes. Um, we thank you special way for uh, Joshua Dysinger today as he will help, uh, help us better understand the experience he's had in winter production and growing veggies uh, through the winter and uh, how to help us consider that for our, what we do at our own homes. Um, thank you for your presence here with us today and your Holy Spirit. We just ask a rich blessing on our time together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. So, uh, I know some of you, how many of you were here for the presentation that um, Joshua's parents, John and Pam Dysinger, did yesterday? Okay, so a number of you weren't here, so we're going to just, we'll probably go back and just lay a little groundwork. You might not have pictures for them. I have the same, like, four slides that my mom Oh, did had. you? <laughs> it's just, like, overview of the farm. Okay. And then I've added, like, a bunch of just Okay, pictures. perfect. But, yeah, perfect. I have the, like, where we are. Okay, perfect. Well, let's let's if go it ahead. Shows up. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it seems like um, it feels a little iffy, doesn't it? Well, we'll do the best we can. Yep. Fair enough. Yep. So, give so, us a little overview, Joshua. This is our um, our location. We're about an hour southwest of Nashville. So Nashville and the surrounding um, area is our main um, market. So that's where we are, Middle Tennessee. Um, this is our farm. Um, and this picture is a little bit of a more topical picture of our farm. So it's, it's a little bit different now than this picture. This was probably um, two years ago. But the fields that are furthest to the top, the six fields there that are past those long greenhouses, are no longer there. There's actually a big house in that field. <laughs> um, we, this last summer, uh, my, my mom's mom, my grandmother, built a house um, that's there. We just, like last month, added a fourth um, greenhouse. The, uh, the three that were long ways there, uh -huh. we added a fourth one. So that's the main, the main uh, what's changed um, from that picture. But that's a, that's a pretty good overview of the farm. Tell us a little bit, Joshua, how, how did you personally get involved in uh, market gardening? Do you um, remember back that far? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, how I got involved in it was pretty much that I was born into it. Um, my parents were strawberry, did strawberry farming starting in 98. Mm -hmm. um, so I was born in 96, so pretty much as early as I can remember. Um, did that for like... Um, maybe five or six years, I believe. Um, 
and just realize it's too risky and too difficult to have all your eggs in one basket. <clears throat> um, so I think it was 2004 that we did our first um, CSA, which was a winter CSA. Um, yeah, that, that's a little. a little. a little different. But, um, yeah, so I think 2004 we started winter CSA, and it wasn't t until maybe 2010 that we even did much summer growing. So yeah. we kind of did a little backwards from <laughs> how most people would start. But, yeah, so then um, I was obviously involved on the farm my whole life, but um, it just it came, came together real well. My, my dad's brother, um, Edwin, and his wife were also working um, on the farm with us, and we had kind of had the seasons where um, their family was growing the winter season. I would say in 2012, we kind of um, set this, you know, their, their, their family was in charge of the winter, my family was in charge of the summer, because we had a little bit more um, manpower, I mm. guess, more kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, because um, the summer is more demanding as far as just like, it's busier, there's a lot more, you know, the weeds are growing like, 10 times as fast in the summer as, as in the winter, and everything grows way faster, and it's just more busy. Yeah. So we were doing the summer. My aunt and uncle and their uh, family were, was doing the winter. Um, and in 2015, they were feeling, um, you know, feeling like they maybe wanted to move on into some other um, mission. They've been doing more overseas stuff, and so they weren't sure that it was something um, all their kids were married and not no longer involved on the farm. And so they weren't sure that it was something that the two of them wanted to keep up. So in 2015, I ran the winter CSA kind of for them. Um, you know, they were just gonna take a season off, see what, how they wanted to move forward, and then, you know, decide which direction they wanted to go. So in 2015, I did the winter CSA for the first time. Um, and they, you know, decided they wanted to um, be more free to be involved in, in other, um, other ventures. So it uh, very, very perfectly worked out because it was um, 2015. I just finished up my high school, and it was just kind of like um, where to go, like how, where is my future on the farm? Because you, you can only have so many, like, families running one farm and making an income out of it. Um, so it just worked out really well that I was able to jump into the winter and kind of mm -hmm. have my own season um, that made me feel much more a part of, you know, I had my own part that I could expand however I wanted and stuff like that. So that's the overview of how I, you know, stayed on the farm. How I started farming was just because I was there, but how, that's how I really um, decided to stay on the farm. And, make it a long-term thing. I, I would, I'd be, yeah, thank you very much for sharing that. I'd be curious to know, anybody here actually burnt, born on a farm? I mean, where your family was full-time farming and you were born in, no? Yeah, no, I wasn't either. I mean, mo <laughs> you know, most of us here at AdAgra, this is a big learning curve. I wonder if you ever felt like, did you ever feel like you had a big learning curve? Or did you feel like it was just, you, being born into the experience, 
you know what I'm saying? I remember yeah. one time we were out at your farm. This was back, my, my son, Alan, I don't know, eight years ago or so, yeah, he was an intern. 2012. Yeah, he was an intern at your farm, at your, your farm there for six months or so. Yeah. And I remember coming out, we came to visit you guys, and uh, I mean, you would have been in 2012. What would, how old would you have been then? Um, 16, 16. 17, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember we were down at one of these houses here, one of those houses there, and uh, of course I was totally, totally green to any of this stuff. I had no idea. I mean, I mean, I could say, oh, those are vegetables in the ground. I knew that much, right? And those types of things. But I remember you putting wiggle wire on a house. I guess there was some, in, in some chan lock and pulling some plastic over. And it's like you weren't even thinking about it. You were just like talking to me, and you're just like doing it. It's just like it was, it's like it was born into you. I just remember, it's like, you know, and I'm thinking, like, well, how do you put that wiggle wire on, man? You make it look so easy. I mean, it is pretty easy once you get the hang of it, but your yeah. first time out, it, things are a little awkward, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I just think, um, I wonder, being born into something like that, um, do you ever feel like there's a big learning curve in certain uh, areas? Do you, feel, do you sense that? Um, not, not a ton. I would say that it's, you know... It's for sure a blessing, and um, I mean, anybody that's done agriculture to any certain extent realizes you never really feel like you know like that much, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's a so, very humbling occupation. Um, <laughs> it's, Good point. It's, uh, it's one of those things that to my, like, personally, I don't necessarily feel like I'm, you know, any kind of farming genius and that I know, like, that much, but then, like, to someone that's, you know, not really done any and just like starting you know they f may feel like i know a ton yeah. um and so it's just it's just that thing where you never really feel like you you ever you, you never know it all um yeah. and yeah. the other thing with being like born into it and growing and like growing up on the farm yeah um that is you know it's it's great but there's like the slight possibly disadvantage of um not necessarily knowing all the like whys and you know I know how to grow everything you know pretty much but like do I know why you do like everything you know maybe not as much as I should yeah. so when you when you're starting out and you're trying to just learn everything you know all about everything you're learning learning so much and when you just grow up doing it you you just learn you know I learn what we do and you can get a little bit stuck in a rut of, like, just doing it because that's what you've been doing. And uh, that's something we've really been trying to work on in the farm in the last few years is, like, looking at our systems and really trying to um, improve things and not just continuing on what we've been doing for the last yeah. 10 years. And that's um, good. I mean, in a way, it's kind of like how we maybe learn our native tongue. A lot of us learn our native tongue, and we don't know why we say things in the way we mm -hmm. say them, right? Or why we use that word there instead of mm -hmm. using this word here. In a and then when somebody learns the language yeah. from the ground up, they're going, well, wouldn't, you, wouldn't it be more appropriate to say that in this situation or something? And you go, oh, yeah, yeah, maybe so. I, yeah, you know, it's almost like <laughs> yeah. someone that just learns it almost you feel like knows more because they realize, you know, why and how of everything. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah it was, I mean, it's, 
Right, you can you Christian can, faith. Same yeah. Way. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, yeah. There's I mean, some truth. Life to it. is just like that. So tell us a little bit about the farm. How much? How much uh, do you actually have in cultivation right now? I mean, that's about what if we're looking at. I mean, I know it's a little different than this picture, but yeah. generally, right now, I, um, what, I think my dad had said he his calculation was right at an acre and a half. Okay. So like these these fields that are between the greenhouses, there. Um, you know, we're not counting the like driving paths between all those fields like it's just the plot right but we're also not like you know just counting growing space like the rows and everything in the right. rows and the walkways and so, everything it's so that, that wouldn't whole, that wouldn't count this area but it would count everything inside yeah, that even, you know pathways everything yes. in the growing but not like um so with the the bigger fields in you know that are going this way yeah. we have split those up a little bit more so in the picture here they're uh 40 by 100 uh -huh. And there's um, 10, 5 by 5. Yeah. Um, now they're 30 by 100, and there's 12, I guess, 6 and 6. Um, so it just changed up just yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it changed up a little bit, but, yeah. So now, when you're actually uh, in, t tell us just a little bit about the, are you pretty standardized? It looks like maybe these fields here are a little different late design than those fields. Is that, would that be true? Um, yeah, so... That's, that's definitely one of the things that we've been trying to focus on is um, standardizing. And that's one of the reasons we changed all the fields um, instead of 40 by 100 to um, 30 by 100 because that's closer to what all the bigger hoop houses are that we have, 30 by 100. Okay, so these tunnels um, over here are like 30 by 100. Yeah, you can see there's one. The first one's like a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, the other two are pretty much the same design. The third one we put up is also pretty much the same design. At some point, we kind of want to redo that smaller one. So we've got four there that are all the exact same. Um, I don't know if my dad talked about, like, the heating of the, the new one we put up is going to be, like, automated and heated and stuff. And we're, the goal is to get all of those like that. Yeah. That's definitely down the road a little bit. Um, we also changed on the, on the movable one. So these, one, these four that are lined up this way on the these bottom here? of the screen, um, they uh -huh. move. They have three positions. So that, that house can move from here to here or all the way down yep. to here. Uh -huh. Yep. And they're all four like that. Yep. Uh -huh. um, and we move those to the beds going the opposite direction, long way. Long way. So you can see the beds are going this way yeah. um, in the picture. We moved them to going this way, so they're 50 feet instead of they were like 30-something feet the other way. Oh, so, I see. So um, these, these beds here, instead of going this way now, run like yep. this. Okay. And there is like, there's still like a six-foot walkway between each like position for the movable. So it's 50 feet and then, or like 48 feet walkway 48 feet so that's not like the whole long bed mm -hmm. um so um that that makes makes it so that we've got 100 foot beds and 50 foot beds which is pretty easy yeah. to even though they're not the same it's like you know for any kind of calculation or anything it's just half right um, and then those are also 30 feet wide so like for our tarps um and some row covers but mostly like our silage tarp all of our tarp is 30 by like 52 mm -hmm. so if it's in the field we're putting two tarps together if it's in the on the movable ones it's just one tarp and so all your tarps are the same size and we're not there yet we still have all kind of different sizes but that's like the that's like the goal all the new tarps we're getting that we're cutting are all that size so that everything's going to be the same size you see two for the big fields and one for the one for the smaller fields. so when you when you refer to these tarps what what do you use the tarps for? What what are the tarps for? Are um, they like this like a solid piece of plastic or what is it? Yeah, a silage tarp. Um, you can see a, 
on like the bottom left, um, some of the pads have like black. Um, like here? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, uh, that's a silage tarp. And here maybe as well? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so we use that, and it's, it's not necessarily, the goal is not necessarily to use this long term, you know? Um, the goal is to be intensive enough that there's always stuff growing, you know, everywhere. Yeah. But um, it makes it so that if we, pull, if we finish a crop and we don't immediately have another crop that's going to be going in that place, yeah. we'll pull a silage tarp over it and it will, it encourages like worms and stuff to come up also, but it will, um, it'll kill any kind of um, detritus or any of your leftover green leaves from whatever might have been growing there before. It'll let it, uh, it'll make it um, compost like way faster than if it was just sitting out um, and it keeps keeps weeds from growing up and stuff. So you might harvest something and then not be planting another thing there for like a month. Yeah. So you pull a tarp over that, and then when you're ready to plant, you pull the tarp off, and it's just like perfect ground to plant in. If you'd left it without a tarp, you'd have all kind of grass and stuff growing up, and you'd have to like prepare that by, you know, wheel hoeing it and raking all the grass off and all this extra work. Um, so that's, that's what we use them for. And like I said, the, the ideal is to be intensive enough that it's not something we're using a lot. Like, it's just, um, mm-hmm. it's just sometimes if you have a place that's not immediately going back into crop. Perfect. Um, tell me a little bit about um, the difference between the, the number of people who work on the farm in the summer as opposed to the number of people who work on the farm in the winter. Is it different? Do you, or do yeah. you have the same yeah, amount sure. of people? Um, so in the summer, we do an internship from uh, beginning of March to uh, beginning of September, pretty much six months. Um, and we've, we've had roughly like four to five interns. Um, and, you know, nothing against interns. It's, it's something that my parents, I mean, I enjoy doing it, but my parents feel, you know, like it's, you know, it's a really good uh, opportunity for young people and whoever to just be able to learn and stuff like that. But you can't necessarily count them as like a full-time worker. I mean, at the end, hopefully, you know, you can tell who's going who's gonna to make it in farming and who's not by the end. And if they're going to make it in farming, they're great help by the end. But um, so, you know, maybe five interns might really come out to be, um, you know, three full-time workers, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the span of the season, you could say maybe you got three, you know. So it's a little bit hard to say with that. But um, I would say in the summer, we're running more like, you know, five to six full-time, probably six because Kale's been working a lot more. So, and then in the winter, it's kind of been more just my wife and I, but it's been much smaller. So the goal is to be able to be running the winter just the same as the summer, um, so I would say if we're having six people, you know, if we have a 150 member CSA and we got six people doing it in the, um, in the summer, we should be able to easily do it with like four in the winter. Um, so, uh, Caleb, you know, next winter will be, um, a full-time employee through the, through the winter. He'll be done with school, have his license. He can be doing deliveries for us and stuff like that. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Um, so for sure, next year we'll be having three full time: um, Kelly and myself, and Caleb. How does it work? Um, walk us through a little bit of the transition that takes place 
from how you go from summer, you know, spring-summer production and move into fall-winter production, I guess would be what it's called, or whatever. How, how does that transition, I mean, for instance, if you're growing on an acre and a half, in the spring, let's back up, when in the spring and the summer, are all these fields here planted at least in something during that time frame between March and September generally? You have something yeah. in all those? Uh, yeah, pretty much. We okay. have like, you know, three fields that are all corn, just different successions. Yeah. Field of okra, three fields of strawberries, um, maybe a field of uh, watermelon, cantaloupe, a field of um, potatoes, a field of winter squash maybe. Um, so everything at least gets one crop. And when um, you're saying a field, you're talking about that 30 foot by 100 30 foot. For 30 by 100, okay. yeah. Right, so you have some of those that you're doing like generally a big crop that you use maybe sometimes for storage. Those are storage. Yeah, some of those are some of those are storage. Everything right? we grow on those is like um, crops that take up more space and crops that are in the ground for a longer period of time. Generally, long time. Yeah. Yeah. We're not we're not planting like lettuce out there or anything like that. Right. So when you go to make that transition and you're going from from the kind of spring summer to the fall winter. Do you actually transform that entire acre and a half? Do you have in the entire acre and a half? Are you growing stuff in the winter in that entire acre and a half as well, or how do, how does that work? No, not at the moment. Um, I mean, ideally, we would be doing um, more than we are right now, and you know, future future times that would be. But there's not as much there's there's not as much of those like big crops that we're doing in the winter. Yeah. So. Right now, like, I will plant one of those fields, the whole thing of carrots. Um, I'll do one, and this, this will probably, next year, it'll probably jump to two um, of brassicas. So I might have, like, one whole field that's, like, um, cabbage and, like, maybe, or, you know, Brussels sprouts, cabbage, um, broccoli, cauliflower kind of stuff, and then another field that's all, like, you know, kale and um, cooking greens and, you know, just, I'll probably split up to do two whole fields of brassicas um, and then a field of sweet potatoes that's kind of more fall, um, a field of white potatoes, um, and that's probably, so that's like five fields. That's probably going to be even in our biggest growing, you know, that's probably going to be all we're getting to in the winter. So those things you just mentioned to us, are those grown in these open fields or are they growing in the tunnels? In the open fields. Those, are, all those, those things that I just mentioned are all things that I'll do a whole field of okay. in the open fields. Do you cover it at all or is it just totally open? I mean, are you putting any kind of season extension like hoops or tarps or, um, or row cover or anything like yeah, that Yeah, so on? some of the stuff like the carrots, you know, I still have carrots in the ground. Those ones I'll put cover over. Um, the brassicas, um, I'll put cover over. The, you know, sweet potatoes and white potatoes, ideally are out of the ground before, especially sweet potatoes. White potatoes can, you know, it's, it's okay if, ideally, you get a frost, kills your tops, and then you start digging them. Yeah. Um, so definitely some of the stuff, yeah, has to be covered. Do you, you have any pictures of any of that stuff? Um, with yeah, you or not? yeah, a little bit. I'm not Let's sure. Let's see what you got. Let's see our order. So this is our seed house. Yeah. Um, Okay, so that's okay. You can slow down. There, there on the <laughs> left-hand side, um, you can see some of the row cover we, we use. We pull it back. 
Um, we we're harvesting there. So that, this is another. So can you go back just one? That, yep. whoop, I don't right. know where I'm going. <laughs> this thing's jumping all. Why is it trying to go? There we go. So that is that in one of those tunnels. What tunnel is that? Would that be up that's on the high? That's one of the high? big ones that was down on the road near the yeah, road. Yeah. Near okay. The road. Okay. So that's a, that's a thirty by hundred foot. Thirty by hundred. Yep. And and how many rows do you typically have in uh, or beds? How, do you have in um, one of those? Eight, I think. Are these all in 30-inch spacing? Nine. Maybe nine. Those are all 30-inch space rows? Yeah. So you, the, row, the row format is the same regardless of whether you're putting summer crops in there or winter crops. It's yeah. all, that mm -hmm. stays consistent. Yep. Okay. Yep. How about irrigation? And, like during the winter, what are you doing? Uh, do, you, do you irrigate differently in the summer as opposed to in the winter? Um... It should be more different than it is. <laughs> okay. Um, it should be a lot of drip irrigation or drip irritation, as JM calls it. And that's why it's not. <laughs> it's really, I, I just don't like drip. I mean, it's, it's such a pain. Um, so. Okay, I, can, uh, see, explain, explain. Right. Just time out for a second. Why do you think the drip irrigation is more of a pain? What well, is about what about it is it that you don't care for? So it just it takes a lot more time to put what, it out. So on the right hand side yeah, you can see Right here. Right. You see that you see that piece of plastic that's running right there? That has like little teeny slits, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That emit little droplets of water yeah. like every what? 6 inches, 12 mm -hmm. inches or yeah, something. Yeah, it's got like a little pressure kind of valve thing on the end. So when the water turns on it goes through, it pushes that to make it the water not come out the end. Um and then it just is like a little pressurized hose, and it just kind of oozes um, in these little spots, drips out water. Um, so the reason that it's just a pain is, for one, it just um, takes a lot more time to put out. Um, you know, for this, for this greenhouse, one row of sprinklers takes me a minute to put up. I just, you know, well, I mean, for one, they're pretty much always there. We got that pipe that you can see. On the left-hand side, this one here. Um, yeah, it runs down the middle of the hoop house. Uh -huh. um, it's got like four little grommets. Um, we have sprinklers that are on a on a spike. You just stick it in the ground, stick the hose in there. I mean, it takes you know seconds. Um, for the drip, you're talking about putting up three, you know, three lines per bed. So you're talking about you know 25 lines. Um, and it takes, out, takes just as long to put out one as it does to put out your whole sprinkler line that does the whole thing. Right. Um, and then also if you're cultivating, it's like a pain to cultivate around it. But the reason that we should be doing it more is just because, you know, especially for us in such a humid environment, you know, even in the winter, it's still very humid. Um, it, uh, it keeps your plants drier, obviously, because you're not putting water on them. The water's just kind of oozing into the ground. Right. And so you have much less issue with um, mold kind of stuff, which can be a pretty big issue in the winter. Mm. Um, because when you've got your covers on there, you got this, you know, humid ground. The plants are, um, like, letting off moisture or whatever. And the underneath of the cover gets very damp and just starts dripping back down. And so it's a very um, humid environment owned under there. Um, and so that just would help um, on, you know, not on everything, but on all, like, the greens and lettuce and stuff. So the idea is that even though the, the, the drip irrigation is something that's more difficult to work with, you feel like it's actually better in regards to most of your plants for the, for the winter? 
Yeah. 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 It's it's better for for winter growing. It just keeps um, keeps you from having more rot and mold issues. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. So tell us a little bit about this here. What is this white stuff right there? Um, that's floating row cover. Um, you can buy it at Farmer's Friend. <laughs> um, it's uh, yeah, it's kind of like a dryer sheet type of material. Um, you can get different weights. One thing to note if you're in a um, environment that's getting you know below twenty in the winter. Um, you know, some crops you might need to double cover, um, and it's better to double cover than to double thickness of your row cover. So, um, I, I'm not sure, like, the, what they, what the term is for the different thicknesses of row cover. Um, I don't think it's the same as, like, plastic, like, right, but they, but they have, like, a lighter but weight, more of a medium weight, yeah, kind of more of a heavy yeah, weight. Yeah, there's, there's different weights. Yeah. And so it's better to double up two lighter weights than to, you know, do a double, a, a one cover that's double as thick because you got some air in between there and it's, and it's uh, better insulation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's what we use. And I'll go back over to this. Um, well, you can see in this picture, too, um, we have these metal hoops yeah, right to here. the left-hand side. Uh -huh. This is our fennel from this winter. Um, but we have these hoops, and that helps a lot with um, moisture and stuff and keeping it a little bit more um, aerated underneath your covers. You know, like this fennel is growing up almost to the hoop, so it doesn't really matter too much. But like with lettuce and some of your smaller crops, um, you've got a lot more um, airflow under there, which helps it not be as moist and also gives it a lot more protection from the cold because your cover's not sitting straight on the leaves of your crop. So you take that white floating row cover and you pull it over those hoops? Yep. Yep. So that's like this is that. actually uh, Kelly's flower tunnel right now. So there's flowers under that. But that gives a picture of um, the, the cover over the hoops. Um, also, you can see one of our little uh, wobbler irrigation things there. That's, that's, the, ir that's the overhead irrigation that we use. Um, so I'm blind. I'm missing it. Where is it's it? It's like up against the plastic big on the right-hand side. Oh, it's like a, this thing that is right in the middle of the Oh, over here. Yeah, way over, right way over there. It's oh, okay, because, I got gotcha. you. because we, uh, this is on our, on our movable pads. Um, we run one irrigation line down the middle of the pad, but this hoop house is only half the width of the pad. And so when we put it up, it was like this side was going on the irrigation line because it was in the middle of, middle of the pad. So ideally, you'd have one like down the middle of the hoop house instead of on the side. But anyway, she has drip in here anyway, so we're not using that. But that's just a picture. I don't know if I have any other pictures. How, how many folks here in the room have some of this floating row cover, the white sheet? Raise your hand if you have that. Okay, so about maybe a third. So most people. Yeah. Um, how important is that for winter growing? I mean, if you're growing somewhere that it gets below 25, it's crucial. I mean, you kind of have to, you have to protect your plants, so. Um, now, does, does this floating row cover, does it still work effectively, even if, if, if the, what you're growing isn't in one of these larger hoop houses? Yeah, yeah for sure. I mean, it's the, it gives the same kind of protection. It's just you, uh, you know, like for lettuce or something, if I have it in a hoop house, I got the hoop house, and then I got a real uh, floating row cover, it's two layers. Yeah. If I've got it outside, 
I might just have two layers of floating row cover. So it's, yeah. How, tell us a little bit about how often you take this on and off in a, in, during the winter time. Um, as often as possible, you take it off. Um, it can be a little diffi difficult um, and kind of a pain because, you know, you're just always pulling it on and off. But um, I don't always go uncover everything just on one day that's going to be above freezing, which, I mean, most of our day, we don't have that many actual, like, days that don't get above freezing in right. our area. It's mostly just the nights it's freezing. Um, so if I have, like, one or especially two nights that it's going to be above freezing, so I could pull it off and it's going to be off for, like, two or three days, then I'll go pull everything off. Because um, it just helps helps the plants to breathe and um, dry out a little bit and uh, not... They probably get more sunshine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely better with sunshine growth. So um, let's say you have a day, I'm just throwing out a scenario, you have days that are going to be 50 degrees in the day and 25 degrees at night. And you, you see that for a whole week. Yeah. Tell me what you... What would, and they're sunny. They're sunny days. What would... Think, walk us through how you would deal with the floating row so, cover and stuff like that. In the winter, a lot of our, I mean, almost every day we're doing some harvesting. So um, if I'm harvesting something, I'd uncover it, obviously. And I'd harvest and I'd leave it uncovered. And I'd do my harvesting for, you know, whatever I'm harvesting. Um, and leave everything uncovered, and then at the end of the day, I'd go back and cover up everything that I've uncovered, and then the next day, I, chances are I'm gonna be harvesting different stuff, so I'd have other stuff that I'm uncovering. Um, so if it's just a day that's gonna be above freezing, it's gonna be freezing again at night, I'm not going around and uncovering everything. I'm just, if I uncover something, I'll leave it uncovered, and then, you know, 30 minutes before sundown, I'll quickly go around and cover everything back up that's been uncovered, um, and that kind of, you know, Everything gets, you know, it, it all comes out to a similar amount of well, one exposure. Of, yeah, one of the things, I, one of the things, because, I mean, you know, we have a small farm, much smaller than yours, but um, it's a commitment, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's quite, you know, once it's all out there, um, at least, like, right now, I don't have a ton of stuff. Um, I can probably cover everything in, like, 30 minutes with two people. It's, yeah. it's one of those jobs that's five times faster with one more person. You know? <laughs> it's, just, it's just way, way better with two people. Right. So um, it probably, probably only takes me, if everything's uncovered, it probably only takes me about 30 minutes to go around and cover everything up. You know, when you're, when you're setting it all up, it's, it's a big, you know, your first freeze, it's, it's a day. You know, if you're trying to cover everything in October, you, know, you got a lot in the ground, and it's it's a full day. Just be pulling stuff out, putting up hoops, getting all your sandbags. It's a lot of work, but once it's all out, it's much much easier. Very good. What what do you have next on the next picture for us? Um, I don't know. Let's see, oh, this is uh, this was along with my with my favorite crop. Um, oh yeah, yes, okay. Yeah, this, tell tell us about um, that. I would say lettuce is my favorite crop, just because it's it's just so pretty. And this isn't all lettuce. Um, we got like some dandelion greens and some chicory stuff there on the right but the left hand side I think is pretty much all lettuce um, and I just love like a clean a clean house of lettuce it's just like you know you got your different stages different succession plantings beautiful red, green you know it's just really pretty 
Um, that, so that's, yeah. Do you mind going back to that other picture yep. just for So that house over there, that looks like one of your movable houses. Yep. So is there a point where that house, is there anything planted in that house right now? It doesn't look, I don't know when this picture is from. Okay. This is from a year or two ago. Um, it doesn't look. Would that house move in the wintertime? Would you actually move that house over something in the winter or not, not so much? Um, potentially. So our... Uh, our movable houses, we haven't had the greatest system. And I wish I had pictures. I mean, it's not really the focus of this. But um, we just did a, uh, a renovation on one of them that is just huge. Um, so on this one, you can see these pipes sticking up. So we have, like, little caster wheels that, that sit in those pipes. The and pipes that are sticking up. Are you talking about along the along the edge here, like here? These pipes. Oh, that yep. right there. Gotcha. You got uh -huh. all of them along the edge. You yeah. Got the same thing on the other edge. Yeah. You got these little caster wheels that that stick in, and it's like a little ball bearing thing on top. Um, the bottom of the greenhouse is on an angle iron, and so it rolls on that, and it's extremely hard to push. I mean, like eight or ten people to push it, um, and it takes. You know, it took us. Um, you know, a good three or four hours because we have to pull out our our tea stakes. We put in tea stakes around the around the hoop house. Use like pipe clamps to clamp it down to hold it down. Got to undo all those. Um, we'd have to put like some straps to pull it together so it wouldn't splay out. It was just a big process. We um, modified one of them to have a little concrete track mm -hmm. um, and a pipe that's on the concrete track. And wheels that are like inverted kind of wheels that roll on the on the concrete track. Um, we have little eye bolts in the concrete and little uh, turnbuckles that attach there. Um, so you just loosen those up. You can push it with two people, tighten it back up. I would say it'll take us about 15 minutes. So that's going to make it where we move them multiple times a season. Um, wow! Right now. They've, they're not used very well, and we move them, like, in the spring because we're, like, rotating, you know, tomatoes or cucumber stuff that we grow in that. We move them in the spring, and a lot of times you just move them once a year in the spring for the new crop, and then I'll just use it there in the winter. So that's going to be a huge game changer um, to be able to move them super easily throughout the season. That, that sounds like a huge improvement. <laughs> that sounds like a huge improvement. Yeah, it's going to be great. Joshua, let's go back just a second. You don't have to, t to uh, change mm -hmm. the pictures, but I want to talk a little bit about the seeding, mm -hmm. the winter plan for the seeding. How does that work? I mean, if you're wanting to harvest, you know, something in January, when are you seeding that? I mean, it obviously, it probably depends on what, we're, what yeah. kind of crop we're talking yeah, about. But talk, I mean, are you seeding all the way through the winter every week? Um, or how, do, how does that work? No. I mean, so, and, one, and one other thing, quick, just on this, compared to a spring summer, are, do you seed every week in the, in the spring? Is somebody seeding something every week in the spring summer uh, rotation? I mean, is it pretty much, is that like every week you're seeding something? Yeah, pretty much. So how does that change, or how do you have to think about seeding when you're wanting to do winter production? Um, well, I mean, <coughs> the, the main key is you've got to think about it before the winter, you know, but... Uh, <laughs> A large majority of our seeding is August, September. I mean, the large majority of it. Um, 
And that's for things you're going to be harvesting in November, December, January. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so, so one, just one little thing. On the back of the seed packet, mm -hmm. you know how they say, like, oh, this is 35 days to mm -hmm. maturity or 40, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. 45 days to maturity. That's probably not based on seeding maybe in September as yeah. a, compared to maybe seeding in March. Yeah, for sure. And the, so, that, the reason is, why is that? Why is it? Why is it changed such so? Yeah, well, with the with the um, both temperature, you know, getting colder, um, but more so your sunlight, um, your days getting shorter, slows down your growth a lot. Um, and so that's one of the things that um, I can't necessarily give you. Like, there's there's not necessarily a uh, like a math calculation kind of thing you can do. Like, okay, well. The seed catalog says this, and I'm doing it in the fall, so add this amount of days. Like, it doesn't really work like that. I would say, um, you know, especially just because we don't have time to get into everything, yeah. but um, Elliot Coleman's Four Season uh, Harvest. That's a book? Um, yes. Okay. is a great book if you're, or, well, no, I'm thinking of, so he's got multiple books. The Four Season Harvest is a great book for, um, you know, starting, starting growing. But he's got a book called The Winter Harvest Handbook and that's focused just on winter. Um, and that's a great, a great um, book for um, some of those kind of questions. And he's got, like, graphs in the book um, that are, like, you know, your months, days to maturity kind of graphs um, in a hoop, in a cold frame, out of a cold frame, you know, in a heated greenhouse. It's just very thorough. Um, and so you can look at that um, and also different zones um, and stuff right. and get a lot better <clears throat> idea than I could tell you on, on planting. The, only, the, the main thing that I can just say is that um, you got to think about it early. And then you're planting real close together. So sometimes in the winter or in the fall, um, I may be planting lettuce like almost every other day, like twice a week. So, you know, I might plant on like Monday and then maybe Thursday, Monday, Thursday. Um, but that lettuce, even though it's planted two days, three days apart, um, it's maturity maybe 10 days apart. Just because uh, in the winter, like every day um, on the back end of it, is adding a lot. Yeah. So um, it's a it's a huge deal, and we're 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 still pretty not work doing that quite well. We've tried to do a little bit of winter growing this year. Yeah. We've done some. Yeah. But boy, I tell you, if you miss that window, mm -hmm. you you almost like okay, well, you seeded that in October. It'll be ready in March. Mm -hmm. I mean, on certain crops. Yeah. Right. I yeah. mean, it's it's that it's that slow of a process. Yeah, like, you know, radishes in the summer, you know, 21 days to maturity, three weeks. Yeah. It's just no time. In the winter, you know, you might be looking at eight or nine weeks. Um, I mean, it's, it's huge. Right. Three times the amount of yeah. time. Yeah. Double or three times, you know. It depends on if you're talking outside or in a, in a cold frame. Right. Um, so, and a cold frame would be like? Uh, the hoop house? Yeah, like an yeah. unheated um, uh -huh. hoop house. Right. Cause if it's Are any of the houses, I know you said your new house is going to be heated. 
that new house you're talking mm -hmm. about? Are any these other houses, are they heated? No. So they only are heated by whatever the sun yeah. provides. Yeah. Which actually is drastic. If you have a sunny day, I mean, it gets hot in there. Um, so what would be the difference if a, if a plant sits outside with no, and no kind of structure like that? Let's say it's 40 degrees and it's sunny. That outside plant may be 40 degrees. That inside plant would be what? I mean, you better vent your, your hoop house in the morning because if you have a hoop house and it's sunny, it almost doesn't matter what the temperature is outside. Like, to a certain extent it does. But if it's 40 degrees outside, you know, you'll get 90 degrees in your hoop house if there's no venting. Um, so you got to, I mean, even in the winter, you got to be thinking about opening, opening doors, opening vents. Honestly, um, you can see on this hoop house, like at the top, there's the, the darker boards. That's a vent that is swung up. Yeah. Um, we no longer do vents there. It's just open. Um, and uh, we never close it, um, even if it's 15 degrees. Um, so, Yeah. That's, uh, it's, it's, it'll heat up quick. You, you get to experience a greenhouse effect every day. Then. Yeah, 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 it's great in the winter. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's great, except sometimes you'll get working in there and, like, break a sweat, and then you get outside and you get all chilled. Yeah, um, exactly, exactly. Okay, what's yeah. our, what's our, what, what, what do you got next on the slide? Anything um, for us next? I don't know, we'll see. So that's lettuce. Okay, so this is, I, I've got multiple slides of um, our, Let's talk about that a little sales. bit. So you, you harvest. One thing I wanted to ask you in regard to irrigation in the mm -hmm. winter, what, what, what's a rule of thumb in regards to um, do you wait till the temperature gets above a certain degree before you e decide to irrigate the plants, or does it not really matter? Um, it's doesn't, I mean, definitely you don't want to water. Um, in like so if you water in the evening and it's going to be freezing at night you know that's a bad especially if it's drip it's not as big of a deal but if you're overhead uh water on your plants they'll they're much more you know they got that water on them it'll freeze um and it can cause more damage um so if it's a sunny day you know and it's going to be freezing at night you just want to get your watering done relatively early in the morning obviously you don't want to water if it's below freezing but um you know, as long as it's 40 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. um, if it's just a cloudy day and it's going to freeze at night, like, you may, you know, look at your your weather um, for the rest of your week and try and pick a better day to be watering. Um, you, and, you, you keep a pretty close pulse on the weather? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, you know, everybody, I'm sure, has heard about the, you know, our, around Christmas time, the whole camper thing and, in uh, Nashville, the camper bomb that took out the AT&T power. Have you all not, was that not enough news that everybody heard about it? I guess no. not. What? So it was, we, we had no, um, we had no cell service for like only like two days. But <laughs> it's not the end of the world. The, the, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I mean, it didn't feel like the end of the world for most reasons, but like, Literally, the biggest issue is, like, I don't know what the weather is going to be like. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm every day, multiple times, I'll be, like, looking at the, the forecast for the rest of the week and whatever. So, it's, yeah, you stay on top of the weather. Do you ever have any issues with any kind of pipes freezing or connections 
busting or anything um, because it gets in super my old. house. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. um, <laughs> we we try to like insulate um, with straw or um, drain our drain our lines, and that's I mean that's another reason that watering can be a pain in the in the winter is just because. It's not, it's not as easy as in the summer. You can't just go flip on a valve and have water. Um, so, yeah, we, we have um, water lines pretty much going to all of our individual plots and a valve box at each plot. So the underground stuff, we don't really have to worry about. Um, so we'll just turn the water off at the valve box. Um, if it's going to be, like, really cold... Um, we'll go stuff the valve boxes with hay, um, but it's not something that we, I mean, the, the biggest pain that I have with freezing is just, um, for washing produce, like, you know, every, every other day I've got to be, I've got stuff outside that I need to be spraying off carrots, you know, be any kind of root crops, beets, radishes, whatever, and the hoses are always, you know, always frozen, but. We do have one thing that's a, a great blessing is we have an outdoor faucet that's hot water. <laughs> and so I'll just hook my hose up to that, turn it on, and leave it for, you know, 30 minutes and come back and it'll be flowing. So that's, that's actually, if you live in a cold place, that's not a bad idea to have one of your outside um, faucets to hook up hot water to because that helps a lot. Because otherwise it's hard to thaw out a uh, big old hose that's frozen. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. but as far as just like irrigation and stuff, um, you know, you got to think about it. You got to make sure that you can drain your system enough to not be having those issues. But yeah, it's not. So you have a picture here of, of uh, a CSA drop, I t apparently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, so this how, is one of our CSA drops. How does your CSA? I mean, in, in regards to production of produce, what what can you what could somebody anticipate in regards to how much produce they're going to be harvesting and selling in the winter as compared to harvesting and selling in the summer. Is there a pretty dramatic drop-off as far as just the amount of, I mean, because things are growing so slow, or have yeah. you, pa have you, have you, pick, have you uh, planted so intensively that you still have, like, I mean, is your CSA as big in the winter as it is in the summer? It's or not as big, and honestly, like, we've got four more weeks, and we're going to struggle to make it through. <laughs> uh, we're running out of produce. Um, but, so, you just have to, you have to plant a lot more in the fall. So, you know, in the, in the summer, you may have, like, two beds of arugula, you know, and you harvest one one week, and then you harvest the next one the next week, and then you can go back to the one you harvested, you know, two weeks ago, and it's ready to go again, and you can kind of, you know, you can, if you get two or three cuttings, you can do off those and then jump to a new one or whatever, um, but stuff just doesn't grow nearly as fast in the winter, so um, you're, you're noticing that a lot on, like, regrowth and stuff. Um, you know, kale, um, one 100-foot one, uh, bed of kale in the, in the uh, summer, you know, you can harvest it almost every week, you know, two or three uh, leaves off each plant every week almost. It's just growing so fast. Yeah. Um, in the winter, you might have to have 300-foot beds because, um, you know, you harvest it, and then it just takes a while before you can go back to harvesting it again. So, 
um, definitely you have to you have to think about um, think about that and have more stuff um, growing. And I didn't do as good as I should have this year, but our CSA also expanded a lot this year. We went from you know previously doing like fifty five to sixty members to this year doing like over ninety. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit of a learning. So you a just learning have, curve. yeah, yeah. Um, and also. Our farm is in a bit of disrepair at the moment. We had a bit of a rough summer um, with with weather and stuff. So I really, you know, in that picture, it looks like we have a lot of hoop houses. <laughs> it's not as ideal as that looks. I, I have, um, I mean, really just two that I'm growing and that are in, in good condition. Like those... Those long ones down by the road, there's three of them. Yeah. Two of them are good that I'm growing in. One of them doesn't have end walls. The movable hoop houses, two of them don't have any plastic. Two of them pretty much got destroyed in the summer. Um, we've rebuilt. Bad storm or what happened? Yeah, we had, we had a real bad storm like twice in a row. Our tomato house in April, you know, key to have tomatoes covered. We had them in, a, in one of the big hoop houses. The plastic blew off of it. Ooh. We quickly reordered plastic put it on and the next week it blew off again <laughs> wow so um yeah we just i mean i don't know we've we've never really struggled with that but we had some some really strong storms i mean just watched. like when was it like, yeah, like straight line winds um one tunnel just one of our movable tunnels just kind of like collapsed another one just bowed out some of the bows broke a little bit um so we've just we've had a, we have a lot of repair to do and we're we're working on that and stuff, and we're also um, on some of our movable tunnels, especially um, when they were built, we put wooden end walls. They've kind of rotted out. We're transitioning them to metal end walls. Two of the hoop houses are done. Two of them still need to be worked on. Um, so we just are not in the greatest place right now for this winter season for me to have good growing space. Next year is going to be much better. Um, so that also was an effect because the stuff that's growing in the hoop houses just is doing tremendously better than... Yeah. Um, stuff out so yeah that's that's part of our struggle this year but how does the CSA tell us a little bit about how the CSA works I mean you're you're there do people just drive up pick up their crate or what happens yeah so our our CSA method um is it's if if we look at year-round income for our farm it's definitely our number one um in the winter it's extremely high our number one in the summer it's almost 50-50 with uh, farmer's market, but it is higher, especially since we're only doing one farmer's market now. Yeah. But um, it is it's for sure our number one. So it's a, it's a subscription thing for the whole season. Um, someone signed up, they get a box every week or every other week, depending on which subscription they sign up for. And yeah, I'm just here for one hour. Um, I got like, you know, maybe um, 30, 25, 30 boxes right there. Yeah. Um, people come up unload their box um, into bags, and it's, they're good to go. Um, so do you have multiple drops in a day, or do you typically have different drops on different days? Um, in the winter, we have it all on different days, and that's another thing that we'll be changing next year. We'll be uh, keeping the same schedule as the summer, which will help because Caleb will be able to be doing deliveries and stuff. Um, so in the winter, it's every Tuesday and every Thursday, and it's the same in the summer. But um, in the summer, so 
in the winter, um, we have two locations on Thursday, and we do every other Thursday. So each location is picking up every other week. Oh, I see. Understand that? Yeah, they're getting it so basically. So yeah. the full share people get like a th- $66 box, and the half share people get a $33 box. In the summer, we're, do- we're doing delivery at each location every week, and the full share people are picking up their box every week, and the half share people are picking up their box every other week. And... Uh, those two Thursday locations are at the same time, two different places. So we have to be split up there. Um, so that's that's a that's a goal moving on in the in next year to be keeping it the same. Do you run two different summer. drivers, or is the same driver on the same day? They just go it's two once different drivers because they're the it's the exact same time. Okay, gotcha. Um, so you have two vans or whatever, so, two drivers. Yeah. So this year. Um, we switched our Tuesday, this is our Tuesday location, um, and it's our only location on Tuesday. So last year, we still were doing it every other week, and then just um, every other week, we weren't having any delivery on Tuesday, which was nice. But um, mm-hmm. this, this year, we, we switched this location to our ideal schedule, and that's picking, uh, being there every week, full year getting it every week, half year getting it every other week. Next year, we'll change the Thursday location to see that. So we'll have one delivery on Tuesday, two deliveries on Thursday. Very we'll good. have to have two drivers. What do, you got, what do we got next up here? Um, that's just a CSA box from, I don't know, that's from a few years ago. It looks like it's actually kind of like a maybe a transition box from the summer because there's some to tomatoes the and yeah. um, stuff. But yeah. that's our farmer's market, um, which is a little bit part of my season, not as much. Um, you know, technically, my season kind of starts in uh, September, I guess, and our CSA ends the end of October. So we've got like a few months that we're doing that. Um, I mean, Kelly and I actually do it all year, but right, um, right, yeah, just some Different some plan. farmers market pictures. Um, I guess that's all I have. So, well, let's take five minutes or so. We're about almost out of time, but let's see if there's any questions anybody might like to have. Okay, we got a couple here. I'll okay. come around and, oh, here, hang on, let me put my mask on. <laughs> got to be, got to be kosher, right? <laughs> All right. What are your issues with things like deer and things like, it looks so yummy. <laughs> so do you um, have more problems with animals? Yeah, go back, well, actually, I think the recording was horrible because I didn't realize they were recording. I did a class on that yesterday. I was going to say go back and listen to it, but probably <laughs> don't. <laughs> um, we use deer fencing, um, a, uh, a flex uh, plastic uh, deer fencing. You can buy it on at Home Depot um, online. Uh, it's actually pretty common online. So you just want to get a, um, a, there's like a proper name for it or whatever. Um, at Home Depot, they just called it flex plastic deer fencing. Um, but you just want one that's pretty uh, tough. But that's what we use. It's like six feet tall. Um, and it's got, I don't know, it's because it's not like a big permanent fence, it kind of seems to like mess with the deer a little bit. Like they're not comfortable. They can't tell visually like where it is, and they're just not comfortable jumping over it. Like we have other fences that are permanent; they'll jump over them, um, like into pastures. Doesn't really matter. But something about the fence—it's kind of wave. You know, it's loose a little bit, and it it works great. We don't have really any issue if we put a fence around something. Sure. Um, profit margins 
for you versus, say, spring, summer, also seeds do you buy your own or do you prepare yours from your own uh, harvest? And then the temperature difference for if you have a hoop house versus a hoop house and the uh, sheet dryer mm-hmm. material. Yeah, the cover, on the row cover. Row cover, thank you. Um, so the income question. So currently, um, I mean, the, the my winter season still running from the same um, the same farm you know infrastructure and everything in this both in the summer and in the winter um, fifty percent of the income goes straight back into the farm um, at some point hopefully that number will be able to drop a little bit but we're still I mean you know we've been farming for a while but we're still putting a lot into the farm um, so fifty percent of the um, gross income, I guess, goes straight back, um, straight back into the farm, both in the winter and summer. Um, and then the rest is, is... And then I think he asked something about seeds. Do you buy, you're, are you asking, do they, they buy... I imagine... We do not. So um, my dad did do something this year that is good, um, and he bought, um, so if you're saving seeds, you have to have open pollinated seeds, um, and a lot of the crops that we grow that are, uh, you know, more resistant to different uh, pests and stuff are hybrid seeds, um, and you can't save seeds from them. So my dad went through and purchased every crop that we grow pretty much in open pollinated seed and we have a stock in our freezer um, so if you know anything goes crazy and we can't be buying seeds we've got a stock of all these seeds to start and then be able to be saving we don't find that saving seeds is efficient on a market gardening scale but we do you know understanding the times that we know are coming and not going to be able to buy and stuff like that, we do feel like it's important to be able to do that. And seeds last in the freezer indefinitely. So that's, that's where we're at right now. We're purchasing in the freezer. I, I don't know, negative two or I think that's like just, yeah, I don't know. Okay, one more question and then we'll. Um, I was just not clear on a couple of things. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you have you have uh, weekly pickups for full share customers in the mm-hmm. winter? Um, so that's what I was saying on our, on our locations. Um, our Tuesday location, we do have weekly pickup for our full share. Our Thursday location um, this year is still every other week because we have two locations and we're not capable of doing them at the same time. Next year, we will be switching so that we'll be doing both Thursdays every week and our CSA members will still be picking up every week. So right now, if you're a Thursday full share, you're getting a double box every other week. If you're a Tuesday full share, you're getting your regular box every week. Does that oh, make sense? Okay, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Hey, thank you so much, Joshua Dysinger. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.